iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Yo, technology, what is it all about? I'm telling you, early days we had surveys from couples that said 12% of them considered a divorce during the remodeling projects of their homes. So you're not any different if you are arguing about this. But truly, I do think that when you have visibility and a sense of control using these tools, it feels much better. Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley, your weekly dispatch from behind the scenes and inside the minds of the top people in tech. I am your host, Danny Fortson, the West Coast correspondent for the Sunday Times and Golden State Warriors fan. The season is almost upon us again, but I digress. Thank you for tuning in. This week on the program, we have a fantastic guest. Adi Tatarko is on the show. And Adi is the founder of House, H-O-U-Z-Z, or double Z, if you prefer. And if you're like me, and you've done any remodeling or upgrading of your place uh, during the pandemic, you will know her company. It's kind of a marketplace for kind of everything from, you know, coffee tables to toilet roll holders. But what you may not know is that Adi founded the company more than a decade ago with her husband, and that the company has since gone on to raise more than $600 million from the likes of Sequoia, that little venture firm you may have heard of, and that it was last valued before the pandemic kind of remodeling boom, because there is definitely a boom happening, at $4 billion. So I'm just guessing that's gone up quite a bit since then. So Adi's a female founder running one of the most valuable unicorns in the world. And this week she is talking to us about the pandemic, what happened to the business, how it has kind of emerged from that kind of very dark period, as well as the founding story of the company, which began with just a disastrous renovation project and just really how that side project turned into this behemoth. But more importantly, we talk about how she got started, how her grandmother, who's a survivor of the Holocaust, went on to live just this fabulous life that really inspired her to be an entrepreneur and some of the lessons she took from her. So it's just a great story. I think you'll really like it. Um, So without further ado, I give you Adi Tatarko, the founder and CEO of House. Enjoy. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. But before we get going, I need to thank you because I have some towel hooks, some various bathroom hardware in my house that I got through House because we've been, like everybody, we've been redoing a bathroom in COVID and uh, Google sent me to House and so I ended up getting a lot of stuff via your website. 
Well, hopefully next time it's not going to be Google. It's going to be you going directly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I imagine, well, perhaps we should start there. I imagine things are kind of going gangbusters at the moment, um, given that everybody's spending so much time at home and redoing various things. Yes, renovation market is indeed booming. People spend much more time at home and they reimagine their homes and they want to get so much more from every inch in their houses or, or a square millimeter or whatever you measure it. It's around the world. People just are trying to repurpose spaces and get so much more out of the houses, whether it's working from home, obviously, like we do, or kids studying from home or exercising from home. So we are seeing increase of reach out to um, professionals increasing, purchases increasing, planning increasing. And so you are not alone. Hopefully you're enjoying the process more. <laughs> um, uh, enjoying? want you to enjoy it more. But yes, it's, it can be stressful. Yeah, there's been more than one argument, I'll say, between my wife and I about, you know, what should the toilet paper holder look like? Oh, that's a good thing. If this is what you argue about, <laughs> Danny, then you're in a good place. Um, this is true. This is true. Yeah. No, but the truth is, you know, um, the reach out to professionals increased by over 50% compared to pre-pandemic uh, levels. So, so everybody is renovating now. Everybody's in the same boat here. But I see it as a good thing. Because it's your home and you should feel fun and you should feel, you know, great and energized and you should, you know, make sure that it's functioning the best for every family member. So it's it's not a bad thing and it's here to stay. So you better take care of, you know, your home. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if we could kind of travel. We're going to travel back in time a lot, but just 18 months ago when the pandemic started, I'd love to understand what that meant for you guys or what the world looked like for you guys. Because we you know, have a lot of companies on this pod. And for some, it was an immediate uptick, depending on what they did. For some, it was an absolute near-death experience where everything just like stopped overnight. But obviously, things are booming for you right now. But I was wondering, I'm wondering if, was that clear when the world kind of stopped back in February, March 2020? Make a long story short, it was harder at the beginning we did have to provide lots of concessions, support the professional community, and making some hard choices for the company as we focus our efforts on, on what's really, really core and important for the clients, for the business, for the health of everything and everyone. Mm. It's always the hardest when it gets to people decisions, right? But we did everything possible to minimize that impact and to come out of it as strong as possible. And then, as you said, the industry started booming. So when it freezed at the beginning and everybody sheltered in place, the impact afterwards was exactly the opposite. People all over the world, once they were able to have access to professionals, the demand increased dramatically. Pros felt so happy with the work coming their way. People started shopping like crazy, reimagining their spaces and house became very handy around the world for these pros and homeowners and tools we developed before pandemic now became like highly demanded because we are providing lots of capabilities through house pros to professionals to do things online, to reimagine things with clients, not necessarily meeting with them. So the 3D tools, the building tools, the planning tools, all these things became like 
really, really needed. And the adoption was even faster than, than we planned for. So then we had to go and work faster and do all that. But we had to go through that crazy roller coaster and hold tight with all the important things that we prioritize. And I'm glad to say we came out of it stronger. I think I read somewhere you had to get rid or let go about 10% of your workforce. Is that right? True, which is always, again, the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But yes, that was at the beginning of pandemic when we had to really provide lots of support to our enormous pro community. And that was the last thing we did, but we had to do it. And now it feels like there must be almost the opposite issue. I know from, again, from doing this never ending bathroom, which is so small, but everything takes like four months to arrive because everybody's saying COVID, supply chain, all these issues. It's just all of a sudden you can't get anything in a timely manner. The one thing I always think about when we're like, you buy stuff online, you think about the Amazon model and Amazon has trained us to be like, okay, I'm buying something. I will have it within two days. And I'm wondering how you guys have navigated that when it's like, you buy something and it's like, okay, this will arrive in four months or it's on back order for, you know, until whatever, the winter or something like that. So one of the advantages of House is we have a very large marketplace with thousands of vendors and sellers that are selling on the marketplace and many uh, similar products. And especially when homeowners on house are working with professionals in the industry that help them shop and select products for, you know, remodeling projects, smaller or or bigger, they can help them navigate through different options. And it's a good way to do it because they know how to leverage the tools and how to advise and how to replace items when something is not available. Everybody in the industry is obviously dealing with supply issues and and shipping times. But when you have many options, and especially when you're working with a professional, I'm not sure how you're doing it, but many are hiring professionals in our community. It's very, very helpful to navigate through this and replace items and find other solutions. Right. And so you, uh, I'm in Oakland, you're in Palo Alto, is that right? I am. So how did you end up in Palo Alto? Wow. Um, (laughs) Well, the short story is uh, we were already in the Silicon Valley and we wanted the good school system and we were... That's the very, very short story. But how did you arrive? Okay, so originally we are from Israel. We moved to New York back in 2000, which was dream come true. I'm a city girl. I love Tel Aviv. I love New York. Just select the best cities in the world and I'm there, you know? And that was before the kids, so even better. You can have fun working and and having fun, you know, going out all day long. And that was with your your husband? That was with my husband. And that lasted a year, which was the best year, I guess, prior to having kids. But then things didn't work out exactly the way we originally planned with our careers in New York. And our careers moved us outside of New York in the East Coast which brought up a new discussion. Should we move back to New York, go move to the Bay Area like Alon wanted, really wanted, or move back to Israel? I really wanted New York, to be very honest about it. Um, (laughs) Wall Street really called me, and, and I felt so passionate about staying there for a few years. 
But if not, I was happy to go back to Tel Aviv. I love Tel Aviv. Yeah. Alon really wanted to go to the Silicon Valley. And several years before when we got married and we actually came to California for our honeymoon, we toured the area and, you know, road number one. And he said, oh, that would be so lovely to live here one day. And I said, oh, no, this is over my dead body. This is not going to happen. Over your dead body? Why? It was just too kind of... I suburb person and to me it just didn't do it it's beautiful the weather is amazing the people are so nice it seems so comfortable but i'm not looking for this type of things i need the city energy and so frankly when he said that this is what he wants to i gave him that look of not gonna happen but you see sometimes he can convince me to do crazy things like this (laughs) i truly thought that it's gonna be just a few years crazy thing and that's it yeah and i had all kinds of conditions if we go what i need to do what you need to do i'm out of tech i want to have kids i'm going to go back to school i'm going to change my career i'm done working 16 hours a day so i had all kinds of conditions if then and he signed up on all of this he said fine you know right we can do all this so i did i moved in and truly thought it's going to be like a two, three years experience and I'll get the most out of it. And this is after all a beautiful, amazing place with lots of opportunities. And here I am more than 20 years later over my dead living body, living here. <laughs> Had three kids here plus house, if you want to call it the fourth. Yeah. Life was good to us. Like I can't complain, but not exactly what I envisioned when we just moved to the U.S., I will go back to the city one day. <laughs> I tried to go there as much as possible, though with pandemic, it's it's um, more of a challenge now. But yes, this is how we got here. So now you got the full story. I got the full story. Yeah, my wife and I do fantasize about retiring to New York or London or like, you know, a big city. So I understand. I was in London for 13 years. So London's not New York. It's different, but similar. In New York, what were you doing? When we moved to New York, we were both in tech. I was a CFO of the company. He was a CTO. We were in tech, and that was part of my thing. Where And we worked in tech before in Israel, too. And what I told Alon was, well, if I move with you, what I want is out of tech. I don't want to work 16 hours a day. I'm done with that. I want to go back to school. I'll study financial planning. I'll work normal hours. I'll have kids. That will work well for me with this suburb life. Right. And he said, okay. So I did all that and I studied and I went to work in a boutique investment firm and in financial planning and had like a whole career plan in front of me after I worked so hard to get all the degrees and licenses and everything. And then and then how it started as a side project. And here you see where I ended with regarding high tech, 16 hours a day and kids, and suburb. So I learned, don't declare, don't be fixated, be (laughs) open-minded. I don't want to say, if Alon would be here now, he would say, listen to your husband. No, I'm not saying it. I will just say, be open-minded and always make the best decision at that moment going forward. Don't just try to justify past decisions because it's not always the best decision. Things change. Yeah. And opportunities come your way and you have to look at it, you know, really open-minded. You never know, right? So I definitely don't regret. It's a very different path than what I imagined for the last 20 years and in general, but it's a good one. And I'm very happy with all these things. 
And so how did Howes start? As you say, you were going to come out here, you're going to change careers, you're going to have kids and all that stuff. And then you end up doing a startup. But what what's the kind of origin story of Howes? So as, as I said, I moved to that boutique investment firm and um, I had a very different career path. At the same time, we were looking to buy our first house ever in Palo Alto because we wanted our son to go to school here. And Palo Alto, for those who are not in the Bay Area, is not cheap. I mean, nothing's cheap here, but Palo Alto is not cheap. True. It's not cheap. And frankly, it was a really hard decision because we had our savings, but we knew that once we pay for the down payment and we're going to be able to buy a very old house, that will be it until we save for the coming years a little bit you know, more in order to start some renovations. So, and that was versus buying in another place, something a little bit newer or more renovated. But location to us was everything. And frankly, if if we tie it back to the city feeling, not that Palo Alto is by any means close to New York or city at all, (laughs) but living here was the closest I could imagine, you know, in terms of, how it feels in in downtown Palo Alto and in general. Again, it's not a city, but (laughs) it was something. So we ended up making a decision to buy an old house from the 50s and Mm. betting on it with everything we had and a huge mortgage and saying over time, it will be so wonderful to renovate it and build our dream home. And eventually we, we saved some money and we wanted to start the first renovation and the process wasn't dreamy at all. It wasn't fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it nicely. If you want the, the hardcore stuff, it was a real nightmare. You're talking about yeah. arguing about some bathroom you know, hardware. Think about arguing about 5,000 different decisions related to the kitchen. While you have two yeah. little kids at home and not great pros to give you advice and online you know, visibility to what's available. And you're both working full-time jobs. So it, it was hard. And, and you have limited budget for everything. So we ended up bringing pros that obviously, you know, in retrospect, were not the best fit for what we were looking to do. We spent tons of time, money, and energy to get plans that we didn't like and we couldn't afford. We're so, so far from our budget. Yeah. And running to bookstores and trying to explain what we have in our heads. We didn't have the verbiage. And that miserable process yield house. At the beginning, it was, okay, there must be a better way of doing it. It can be that we're so stupid or so miserable or so inefficient. But then we talked to lots of people in our community and we realized, well, it's not comforting, but we're definitely not alone in, in, with this feeling and there must be a better way of doing it. Um, House was a side project that started here in the Bay Area with our own community. 20 parents from our kids' school were the first 20 users of the platform and professionals, architect, designers, and so on from the Bay Area participated in it. And we said, let's build the community where we have professionals that understand on one side, homeowners that totally don't understand, but to want to understand the other yeah. side, make it very visual and, and give them access to each other in a very different way. Maybe when they'll see everything and talk about everything using this 
very easy technology to navigate through things. Maybe it will make the process better. So this is how it started. And we were doing it nights and weekends when we put the kids to bed. Mm. And shortly after, it started growing organically pretty quickly. A year later, we had hundreds of thousands of monthly users and thousands of professionals from everywhere in the U.S. and not just interior designers or architects, it expanded to many different types of professionals like general contractors and kitchen and bath remodelers and landscapers and so on. And it was a very strong collaboration between both sides of the community. Today, it's the same notion there. You have a flywheel between many, many professionals and many homeowners. Today, we have 65 million, as I said, and 2.7 million, but it keeps growing And that collaboration, one side is bringing the knowledge, the visuals, the understanding, the expertise, while the other side is exploring, learning, collecting ideas. And when they are ready to go, they hire and then they work on the projects together. And we were in that center providing these tools, Mm. this platform, understanding the pain points of both sides and understanding that bringing them together should make this process less frustrating and much more uh, effective and fun. So that's what we did. We did it for a long time as a side project until we understood with the help of somebody great from our community that told us, if you're not going to bring money, if you're not going to bring more people, if you're not going to take it seriously and do it full time, somebody else at some point will see this and do it instead of you. So at that point in time, um, towards the end of 2010, we decided to do it. We raised the first $2 million. We quit our jobs, which I'm saying it again. That's the short version of it. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I was going to say, so I have a couple questions. One is how easy or hard was it to, I imagine because it sounds like you were working on this for, you know, a few years in one form or another as a side project and it was getting some momentum, but how was it getting that first check? How easy or hard was that? So first of all, I think because we bootstrapped it without really understanding that what we're doing we is bootstrapping it really changed the game for us in terms of mm. raising the money. 
now I know after many years of doing it and raising much more money over the years that what investors early days want from founders is two things, right? Assuming these are new founders, never founded a serious or big company before, it's their first time attempting to do so. They are looking for two big things. One, they are trying to understand, is there a market and validation for this idea? Is it something that can yeah. really scale? That is an interest or is it just an idea? That's one thing that they are trying to understand. The second thing, even if they believe that number one, yes, this is amazing. Nobody ever thought about it before. And they are all for this idea. Then they're asking, are these the founders? Are these the people that can make it happen, that can scale this? Mm. And what happened in this bootstrap, and I always tell it to founders, when you can do it, do it. We remove both questions. There was no question when you have zero dollars, except our very precious time invested in it, and the $2,000 that at the peak we had to pay from our savings for the servers to hold all this mm. traffic, but no marketing dollars, no people. It was us and our time scaling it to hundreds of thousands of users, right? So there was definitely a market need for it and excitement and sharing and organic usage and growth. And on the other side, there wasn't a question about us. We're doing it right. as our first investor said, well, if this is what you do at night when you put your kids to bed, I can't imagine if I give you $2 million, what you can do with it. So I'm saying it not to brag or anything. We were kind of overwhelmed with the fact that somebody even want to give us money at that point in time. But to share it with other entrepreneurs, if you prove it, there is no question anymore. You proved it. So it was exciting. I think it was more obvious to me over time that Alan wanted to be in the Silicon Valley, wanted to stay in the startup universe and in technology will go and do something like this one day all the way. It wasn't so obvious for me. Even when we worked on this as a side project, I still said, this is great, this is wonderful. But I thought at some point when we started thinking about it with that advice to turn into a company, that maybe he'll do it and I'll stay doing what I'm doing. And when he said, I think you should come with me and I think that you should be the CEO and I think you should do it full time, I kind of, oh, wow, well, that's against everything. I think. <laughs> Again, here we go. So right, right, right. Now, now it sounds like I really don't like this because I'm sounding to myself like it's a pattern. I swear <laughs> to you, Alison is listening to our call here as well. This is not me. In general, right. I'm not objecting yeah, yeah. to ideas. I'm very open-minded, but I don't always agree to all these things. You know, I know it sounds like this, but anyway, I did. And I'm happy I did. Uh, I said, I do. I'll come. I'll do that. Not quickly, yeah. but I thought about it. And I just, you know, said, look, I invested years now in turning my career into something else that I was happy about. Mm. But frankly, I was even happier and more excited those nights and weekends doing this. And because of that, I felt like I need to go with my passion. I need to wake up in the morning and be extremely excited. And when I vetted these two things, that made me even more excited. So I did that. And here we go 10 years later. Yeah. We're still doing it. We're still with the same mission to bring to this universe the best platform and tools for homeowners and pros to collaborate and to work together on small or big or huge renovation and, and building project. This is where 
I think house comes handy because when everything is very visual, when you have lots of support from professionals, you have lots of tools to better plan, understand, see how it's going to happen, have much more control and transparency throughout the process. It calms you down. It's you're less nervous. I'm, I'm telling you, early days we had surveys from couples that said 12% of them consider the divorce during the remodeling projects of their homes. So you're not any different if you're arguing about this. But truly, I do think that when you have visibility and a sense of control using these tools, it feels much better. Yeah. And so who was your first investor? Who was that first $2 million? So Oren Zaev, Zaev Venture, he was the first, I, I don't want to even say angel investor, even though he's by definition an angel investor. The reason is he's investing in all rounds since then, including the growth rounds, and he invested in house all the way. But that was a, he still is a one-man show where he can make a decision within 24 hours. I'll give you $2 million and you go. Wow. And it's a very different uh, approach. He's not investing in many companies every year, but when he does, he supports the founders all the way. What I really like that he said to us early days, which today I know was also true. He stayed true to this promise. He said, I'm a passenger in your backseat. And it's your drive. Right. I'm joining your ride because I believe in this ride and in you as drivers. So I'm not going to interrupt you. I'm going to sit here in the back seat. So he's not going to be a backseat driver. He's not going to be like, you, oh, you missed the turn. No. Oh, no. You should turn. <laughs> he said, whenever you want me, just turn your head. I'll be there and I'll do whatever right. you want me to do at any capacity. 100% of my, my energy will go into it, but if you want me to. And I think this is a strong message to provide to a founder. I'm there for the founder. I believe in the founder. The founder is going to drive this and not me. I'm the investor and I'm here to support the founder's needs. And since then, you've raised like 600 million bucks or something like that. Large amount of money. And was it always kind of that easy or was there, was there any pushback ever from VCs who were like, hmm, husband and wife couple, I don't know about this or, or any other reason why they're like, well, you know, you're going to have to convince me. No, I, I will say the first institutional investor that invested in house was Sequoia mm. and they had very good track record investing in couples over the years. I can't complain about Sequoia. It's one of the top, if not the top investor in the world. So they had very good experience with that. And they are very open-minded on that front. So no, we did not experience any questioning around it. And obviously over the years, our rounds were oversubscribed. We we always raised when we didn't, you know, have to. And, and when we felt like this is going to add value and we can do much more if we had this extra funding. And we're always very, very fixated on who are the firms and the people specifically from these firms. That was always more important to us than let's maximize vital valuation, let's try to right. squeeze more out of it. I think it can make a huge difference night and day if you bring a good investor and a good partner versus not. And it's so much more important than, you know, a little bit more, you know, on, on the valuation or squeeze it. So not necessarily in some of the rounds, we did not accept the highest bid or the highest valuation. Mm. We always went for the people. And I'm very proud about, 
you know, the firms that we partner with and the board that we put together. And I just love our board. How many founders you can hear saying it. I feel very close to our board members. We kept it very small and efficient and we're very close with each other. It's more than just board serving as a board. It's really friendships and support at good times and bad times. And this is what I hope, you know, that many founders will focus their energy on finding people that have the common, you know, philosophies and and visions and, and they'll get the right support from them versus other things that are less important. Right. So the question, of course, is why not go public? Every company under the sun is doing a SPAC right now or IPOing. And you guys are benefiting from this huge boom in home renovations. I presume business, you know, the balance sheet is looking good, et cetera. Why not go public or is that in the plans? I knew you were going to ask it because you have these questions. <laughs> nice try, though. One one of the nice things that worked for us over the years is keeping our cards close to the chest. So let me do it this time. Yeah. But I promise to you, if if there'll be something to announce, we'll let you know. I'm sure. I'm sure. And just like on the actual business model, I mean, you know, you're this platform in the middle of all these different kind of parties. I presume just from my personal experience, you're making a commission on the stuff that you sell. Is that the main source of revenue? Or because it sounds like you've got this kind of network of professionals who use tools that you guys have created as well. Like what is that kind of the actual thing that pays the bills and, and is really bringing in the turnover. What is the kind of the driver there? So we talked a lot today about the professionals at House and obviously um, they are core part of our community and big part of the flywheel. And our core channel is, is what we offer to the pros that is actually empowering the consumers as well. It's a subscription-based all-in SaaS model where they get all the tools from start to finish. They can grow their business and market it and get more connections from the house community alongside with managing start to finish through the CRM, through you know sending bills, selling proposals, 3D imaging, I see. Um, transactions. Everything is happening through and empowering them and their businesses through their platform. So it's grow your business, manage your business, all under one roof. Only house can provide this. And big part of it is what it's also doing to the consumers because the consumers can then on their side, the homeowners can meet these professionals on house, but then these pros that are leveraging the tools are providing them this level of transparency. Imagine you're hiring a pro to do your bathroom or your kitchen. And after they talk to you, whether it's video chat through house or they actually come in person, you within a few hours get... 3D imaging of what they want to propose to you with breakdown of the proposal to down to labor cost and materials and everything mm. and, and the whole plan. And then from there, you can transfer the deposit to them. You can you know see the gun chart of how the whole process is going to work, when you're going to pay. All the subcontractors and designers will be part of it and everything will be documented for you. So you're not wondering, when am I going to pay the next time? What's coming next? Who is coming next? What do I need to do? This became a very, very powerful tool for the professionals. But again, there is strong demand today 
that is increasing dramatically from homeowners, the pros will use that. They are not willing to accept anymore that they'll get an invoice in the mail or something on Excel or... Or just something scratched out on pencil on the back piece of cardboard that you exactly. a box that they just so, opened or whatever. This yeah. is the future <laughs> and this is our core channel right. given this enormous you know, community and this demand. Um, we also have, as you mentioned, a complementary channel where both professionals and homeowners can shop the product and materials they see in the pictures. Um, house there is very different and than many other platforms out there because we have all the data meta tags attached to the photos with all the you know layouts, product, materials, yeah. uh, reviews, pros, and so on. And so it's very inspirational, but you can take it down to the execution level where either the pro or as a homeowner you can also shop the photos and get what you want. So um, it's definitely complementary and helping us to uh, provide a more rounded experience start to finish to pros and homeowners. Before I let you go, I was just thinking about all the, the kind of the various steps that have got you here. And, and as you're saying, it's like, I wasn't going to do this, but I decided to do it but many times over. And it made me think I saw a brief clip of you mentioning your grandmother who sounded just like a really cool, inspiring lady. And I was just wondering if you could talk about who she was and kind of who she was to you. Yeah, well, now you don't want me cheery, you want me teary, I guess. Um, <laughs> because unfortunately, she passed away in 2014. Yeah, she I'm was sorry. a very, very dominant person in my life. Um, she survived the Holocaust and all the most awful camps in Europe you can imagine. Mm. And her entire family uh, was murdered in the camps. Everybody. She was a child surviving the camps. Um, the war started when oh, she God. was just nine years old. So wow. when the war ended, she had one aunt, uh, her mom's older sister, that uh, moved to the U.S. before the war started. She got married with an American guy. And she found my grandmother there. And she was the only person from the entire family that made it through. Wow. And she wanted her to come to the U.S. Um, she was 16 years old at that point. And my grandmother said, no, thank you for offering. I'm going to Israel. If I survived all this, I need to go to, to Israel. And so she did. And she built from zero, from I don't even know. I was helping, you know, when she passed away, she left a book, unfinished book, and I helped publishing it. And so reading through all these details and and until now, I don't know where she brought all this strength mm. to say no to the aunt, to go and to build a remarkable life from nothing with zero money, zero support, nothing. And she studied a lot. She taught herself a lot. She spoke many languages. Um, she became a very... Um, highly regarded fashion designer and traveled all over the world at times where women didn't do that. Yeah. Got lots of support from my grandfather, who was also a Holocaust survivor and, you know, raised the kids and then became very close, like the rock of the family with the grandkids and great grandkids and everybody around her and always pushing herself up and inspiring everyone. Like you can, you can choose to leave and there is nothing that you can't handle it's just a matter of perspective and being open-minded. And, you know, you can fly, almost you can fly if you want. So 
Yeah, I, I always think of her as somebody that influenced me so much because they recorded many, many hours at the Holocaust museums, interviews with her, what she'd been through, testimonials. And I listened to all this. Oh, wow. And whenever I go through something really difficult, and like everybody, I do have my difficult moments in life, I remind myself that this is really nothing. And there is nothing that you can't do. And everything, you know, is a matter of perspective and, and how you focus on solving problems and how you put your energy in, you know, the right things. And there is always something good to, you know, uh, be happy about in your life. And it's just truly remarkable and inspiring to remember what you've been through and where she got herself to. And makes, I think me much more humble in terms, in terms of, yeah, of course we can go through it. Not because I'm strong. Because really, comparing to what she'd been through, it's it's nothing. Right. So, yeah, she was definitely very, very dominant. I carry lots of things in my personal life from her. And there are some things that will never go away. You know what? I'm going to tell you a story that I never told anyone. Okay. It's new. And it's related to my older son, who is now 19. And he knew her. Um, she came to visit us many times in the U.S. He was a child, but he still remembers and one of her stories about the Holocaust, which she wrote about in the book, and then she um, created a beautiful bronze statue from this story, was her sitting and seeing all the smoke coming, you know, from the crematories who were going there. But then on the other side, she was staring, you know, at a pile of trash and birds came to pick some food and flew far away from there. And then she was sitting there and imagining herself in, in hopefully I'm not going to be directed here to the crematories. Hopefully I could sit as a, she was a child on this bird's back and fly far away from here. Maybe there is a different future there. Right. And But that was the hope for her, seeing that birds are flying away, that there is something else, somewhere else. And so she has that bird with that child sitting on the back, which for her was hope. That was the end of the exhibit that was in very big museums, you know, all over. And at the end, she placed that bird and she said, there is always hope. So now my son that is 19 years old asked, we don't have any tattoos in our family. I'm not against it. We're just not a family with tattoos. Yeah, yeah. He said, mom, mom, can I, can I have a small tattoo of that bird with that girl with her signature? And so... You know, it's hard for me to swallow these things, but he's 19 years old and he can, of course, yeah. do whatever he wants and will make him happy. But for, it makes me happy that he wants something so symbolic. You know, he said, I, oh, and I want to put it in a place that I can always, I don't want to put it on my back. I want a place that I can always stare at it and remember that there is hope. So I told him, yes, you can do it. And I will do a small one somewhere too. Wow. Together. So there is always hope. There is always inspiration and you have to be open-minded, even about tattoos. <laughs> wow, that's a great story. What was your grandmother's name? And is the book kind of out and available? Can people find it? It's available in Hebrew. I'm working on translation to English now. And I'll be happy to let you know once it's done. Um, she wrote it in Hebrew. It was a lot of work, but because we have lots of family members and friends of her in Israel... We first finished the Hebrew edition and right. now working on the English one. But um, yeah, I'll be happy to send you a link once it's done. I would love to see it. Her name is the same family name as mine. I didn't change it. I'm carrying it. 
So she was Tatarko too, Ruth. And frankly, I, I had several years ago such a huge surprise and gratitude because a reporter in Israel interviewed me and we somehow, again, got to my grandmother, yeah. an inspirational person in my life. And then after the interview, the reporter pulled all the interviews that this, it's the largest newspaper in Israel, did over the years with her as a fashion designer. Wow. With all her pictures from the 60s and, and 70s and interviews, like huge interviews. And I was so stunned that they had it in their archives and to read what she said about innovation and how you can always get inspiration from, she used to go to fashion shows all over the world but then create her own design. And she said, it's okay to be inspired, but you always want to have your own local twist, your own thinking into yeah. things, you know, your own version. And years after, you know, she did all this, when we talked about our startup and what we do, she said, you're not the first one in the family working on startups. I had some startups too. And she started telling me. So she was very, <laughs> very good. She would search her, you know, disease on the internet and Google it and tell the doctors right. at her eighties what to do. So true inspiration, I swear. Well, that's a uplifting way to end a, a conversation. So I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and that is all the time we have. I want to thank Adi for taking the time and really for sharing those, those stories from her family and from her grandmother and just, you know, imparting some of those very, very important lessons that we would all do well to to remember. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know I did. And that's it for me this week. I'll be in the paper as usual this Sunday at thetimes.co.uk. You can find me or on Twitter. Email me at danny.fortson at sunday-times.co.uk if you have any questions, comments, uh, compliments, complaints. Um, whatever it may be, I'm there. And thank you again, as always, for you guys listening and the ratings and the reviews uh, and tuning in each week is what allows me to keep doing this. So thank you and have a fantastic weekend. See you next week. Want more out of this podcast? Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Danny in the Valley to read articles based on these interviews, broader discussions of the topics covered here, and of course, the amazing work of all my colleagues across the rest of the paper, all for less than one pound a day. Start your free trial now by going to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Danny in the Valley. 